And all the advances in technology that have been major leaps on this planet have been through extraterrestrial connection and communication. Tesla is a great example of that. <laughs> Rosie Glow, where did I find you? I don't know. You, you, you're amazing. Honestly, you, you, you know, during the day I talk about normal things, you know, and you, you're just on such a different level. I, I'm, I'm just absolutely fascinated by you. Thank you so much for being in my life. Fabulous to meet you. Do, 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 do. Rosanna, Rosie Glow, Hannes, it is. Fabulous to meet you, although we have met before, but we don't know each other very well, which is why I wanted to um, have you on the podcast and just share you with everybody that's listening and watching. So welcome. It's so fabulous to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so we met in a mastermind and um, right from the beginning, you basically blow, you know, blew my mind because you and I was honest with you when I met you that you operate on this plane that I don't quite really understand, but I'm so determined to get there because you are absolutely fascinating. So I want to use this opportunity to sort of start from square one and ask you, what the hell do you do? And and what, what world changing things are you going to be introducing to us? Just tell us everything about you. Okay, so I was born in Oxfordshire. Um, I am mainly Greek by blood, so my mum's half Greek, my dad's full Greek, um, and basically they met very young, they were sort of 18, 19 when they met, got married at 21, 22, because that's what you did at the time, so you could live together, and then I came along after they were trying for two years, and just before they gave up, they went to the doctor to say what we're doing, and the doctor said, oh, you're pregnant, so um, that was the start of me, and Basically, I've kind of lived in England, I've lived in Greece, I've lived in Singapore, I've lived in Australia, I've been blessed to travel a lot in my early life, and actually also be exposed to, to living in, well, being surrounded by different socioeconomic groups as well. So, you know, my kind of background is both coming from a lot of lack on one side, and then a lot of wealth on another side that was lost, uh, as in gambled away. So, you know, one of my absolute passions is looking at uh, intergenerational trauma and what gets passed from one generation to the next uh, through our bloodlines. Uh, part of the, the woo-woo weirdness that you're talking about is, you know, I'm a soul activator. So a lot of the things I'm talking about now, some of them only landed in the last year where we've been working together in this mastermind. But for the most part, from as young as I remember, I was looking around this world going, it does not make sense. This does not make sense. Um, and particularly the way adults behaved did not make sense to me at all. What so I kind of had that awareness. What well, I, I just what I mean by that is let me just start by saying I recognize myself as an emotional empath and also as a star seed. And I'm happy to explain a bit more about that in a moment. And um, also, you know, a way shower. I'm here as a higher frequency soul to support the ascension of humanity, which is what a star seed is. So what happens for all of us when we come into a physical body as a soul is we go through this cloak of amnesia. So none of us, there are very few humans that have come in with their soul activated, remembering why they're here. They are those exceptions, but for most of us, we 
choose quite challenging early life circumstances in order to go through the trials and tribulations that are going to remind us of the mastery we already have. So, you know, for me, it was lack consciousness, you know, really bad relationship dynamics. My parents were in love, but very emotionally immature. So the kind of parenting I had was quite similar to, I think, a lot of other parenting, which is quite critical, judgmental, fear-based. So, so I kind of grew up with a, a whole load of <laughs> anxiety and not feeling like I fitted in and um, just, just like I didn't belong. You know, my soul was really shiny and like, yay, I'm here. But the physical density of this earth felt really heavy. And as an emotional empath, you pick up the unspoken about and unprocessed emotions of those around you so whether they're talking about it shouting about it or not anything that's in your home for example or your school you're sensitive to it so now, now I know I'm a psychic right I know I'm an intuitive so I can pick up on stuff I know stuff I can it's not like I go into someone's mind and read their whole history but something will come out to me and I'll share it and they're like how did you know that so, you know, I think for a lot of people, they're a bit scared of psychics and intuitives because they think we can see everything. And that's not the way it is. We literally get shown by our soul or spirit um, what we need to see. My first sort of awareness of my creativity, if you like, and my creative expression was as a singer, as a dancer, wanting to act. As a child, I used to love, you know, making all these dance routines up and, you know, I always wanted to be older than I was. I couldn't wait to grow up. I hated being a child. It was boring and dull. And, you know, like I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And the word no did not sit very well with me at all. <laughs> um, so tenacity and determination <laughs> was pretty strong from the start. Um, and basically, yeah, I mean, I kind of started off in England, moved to Greece, then moved back to England when my parents divorced. Then we ended up back in Oxfordshire, but a different part of Oxfordshire with my stepdad. And we moved to Australia for a few months, came back to England and then to, uh, to Singapore, where I spent three years from 13 to 16 at the United World College of Southeast Asia. And that was when I left sort of, you know, state education within, you know, private and international education. Totally different story there. Right. So that was my first exposure to a very different world and it was a very privileged world and then we came I came back I didn't actually like being there at all I was very depressed as a teenager um I was quite heavily overweight as well and I got right into all the adult vices at the age of 13 so uh you know, I was very naughty. I used to sneak out every Friday night and Saturday night, I used to do all sorts of terrible things. Um, because that's what I thought fun was. You know, when I when I looked at adults, they looked at their happiest when they were drunk, right? They looked their happiest when they were sort of, you know, not quite in their day-to-day -day life. And you know, I didn't know it at the time, but you know, my my stepdad was quite a heavy drinker, and that's part of the job that comes with being a pilot. Many, many people in the in the air force or in you know the airlines take to drink because it helps them to get to sleep in the day and all that kind of thing. That you know, when they're on a, a weird timetable in different time zones. Um, so I kind of this is important just because you know this home environment and the things that we actually grow up around are our normal, right? And we kind of think we take it on and this is my passion for this early life um, programming and our intergenerational trauma that we pick up I call myself a, an early influences expert so pre-birth through to first seven years of life and 
that's kind of run through all of the different things I've done in my career, um, which has changed over time. And basically, yeah, I couldn't wait to leave home. So I ended up uh, coming to another very privileged position when I was 16. And that was to go to a private independent school in England. I left home. Um, obviously, my parents still live there. So, you know, I had support. Um, but basically, what ended up happening was I got this experience that I was treated like an adult at the age of 16. Uh, we were calling our teachers by their first names. So I got this real sense of like what I needed at the time to expand a bit. And in particular, I needed to be away from my mum, which was, you know, it's hard to say because she's just not been in the physical world for the last 13 years. She passed away just as she turned 60. Um, but ultimately, what can I say about all of that? Those early influences defined me. You know, I went from being really into music and drama and all that kind of thing to then going to university and um I studied to be a teacher initially. I studied education and environmental studies. So I learned a lot about the education system and why we're educated the way we are and the history of education, which is basically indoctrination. And then uh, I also studied environmental studies. And this was when I first got exposed to concepts like globalization and also um, nature as, fe as feminine. And these kind of really impacted me when I was at uni I was like wow this is stuff that was really interesting by the end of the third year I was like no way am I going to be a teacher that's not happening so uh, I ended up in the most well-paid job I could find because you know like every student that spent three years at, at uni they then discover if they'd just gone to work they would be earning more three years later than <laughs> just being a graduate so I found myself in IT recruitment which again was very strange and this was part of my conditioning was like get a proper job your stepdad and your mum will be proud of you you've gone to university you know you're doing well do this and I hated that job I can't Absolutely. imagine you being in that industry I mean that's just crazy well what's funny about it is I actually recently reconnected with my boss then Andy Salmon who's amazing he's also left that and is doing some really great work these days but yeah, I used to basically go to the mirror bathroom at lunchtime and look in the mirror and go, what are you doing here? This is the devil's work because I felt like I was lying for a living to make money. I just didn't sit, you know. So at that time was when I actually also met my daughter's dad. And I had a history of attracting really rubbish relationship situations, you know, as, as a teen I was the, the girl that they used to say, oh, you're, you're really pretty. If only you lost weight. You know, that was the kind of way that guys sort of, you know, felt about me. And it was like if they were drunk, I looked better. Right. So <laughs> I had quite a promiscuous teenhood, uh, but I was very much wanting love and, you know, trading sex for love and, and, you know, caught up in that, which I know so many of us have done. And from there, you know, I met Dominic Scarlett's dad. And, you know, right from the start, it was like, we knew we both had in common the desire to have a child, which, you know, we started talking about right from the start. Now, he had he also was alcohol dependent and uh, had uh, mental health issues, which I'd never really been around. I'd never been around diagnosed mental health issues. Right. At the time, it was um, they thought he was uh, bipolar, I think it was. And it turns out he had AD, he has ADHD. So he was on the wrong medication. Anyway, long story short, we decided to make a baby six weeks into our relationship. <laughs> we'd moved in two weeks in because we'd met because we were both looking for a house share and we ended up 
coming together we could only afford a one-bedroom place so what was initially going to be someone having the bedroom and someone having the living room was like hey let's just see how this works and um, my beautiful Scarlett uh, was conceived just like that and at 21 I was pregnant so that was the start of my mothering and perinatal journey if you like because that's another area of my my specialities if you like is is the sort of conscious conception pregnancy birth parenting and the impact of that time period on who we become and uh after that basically we we were not in a good place you know for, for my pregnancy I felt very stressed and anxious and not sure the relationship was going to cope with him or me at the time and we split up when my daughter was 10 months old so that was the start of you know can you imagine I've kind of gone up to this status of graduate good job and then boom single mum on benefits <laughs> in Croydon <laughs> which you know anyone who knows Croydon <laughs> it's not exactly Notting Hill so um yeah that was a, a very I would say my first 40 years were really challenging so at that point I knew I needed to basically find something to do that I was going to enjoy doing that was good for me I already had an interest in yoga so I trained as a yoga teacher and then very quickly started attracting lots of pregnant women coming to my classes, which made me feel I needed extra training. And that started my journey with Birthlight, who are a phenomenal organization. Anyone who wants to have babies or has babies or is pregnant, check out birthlight.com. I don't personally teach the classes anymore, but I have got a teacher in my team that does. And I became, well, basically their, one of their dry land tutors. So I spent years um, in, you know, learning the, the skills and then teaching them. So that was fertility yoga, pregnancy yoga, uh, birth preparation yoga. I became a doula. So I started to attend births and actually see this work in action, which helped me to overcome the trauma of my daughter's birth, which was four days long. And that was because of my fear of birth and her positioning as a result. And then that went into baby yoga and toddler yoga and postnatal yoga. And that was a, a huge chunk of my life was, you know, building indoor yoga in Croydon, uh, serving a community, you know, that ultimately the, the hospital, Croydon University Hospital, had one of the worst performing maternity units in the country when I first moved there. And I got involved with them and was the thorn in their side, <laughs> one of the thorns in their side. And the 10 years that I was working with them, they went from being one of the worst to one of the best performing units in the country. And that did involve me taking a role that was so weird. It was a really like dry role, but I was a user rep on their maternity services liaison committee and then became co-chair and chair. And that was kind of the serious, serious stuff. <laughs> um, where did that lead me? So I could go in so many different directions here, but the interesting thing about how I ended up in Croydon was that my mum's dad, so my maternal uh, grandfather, was actually originally from South Croydon, which is where I felt compelled to move to. All right, as a as a young mum, I ended up in Croydon to visit a friend of my partner at the time. So we're there with this buggy. We end up in East Croydon. We've got these lovely ramps, and I'm like wow, what a great station for buggies. And then I'm looking around going, this is an amazing place. I want to move here and moved to South Croydon and then found out from my granddad that he was literally from the road that I had moved to. And the other interesting factoid about how our genes, you know, try, they, we're, we're literally 
being pulled by our bloodlines to create healing. Like it's just amazing or to keep repeating history. It's our choice, right? So the other really interesting thing is that the, the hospital I just let you know about was where my mum's older brother was born a stillborn. Oh, so, so I, you know, I got involved with changing basically that whole story, not just for my family, because when we when we affect change in our own lives, we also clear our ancestors' history and karma, and we we clear the way for our descendants as well. So when I was there, I tried to move to Brighton when my daughter was two or three, but it just it just didn't happen. Like I, I found a house I was going to rent, put the deposit down, and then I started having all these nightmares. Nothing was really happening. And my daughter's dad had already moved down. We weren't together, but, you know, we were co-parenting. And then yeah, the, the landlord decided he was going to sell it and not not rent it. And that was just it for me. I was like, right, I'm staying in Croydon. And that's what made me start my business there. But then it felt like I was stuck there and I couldn't actually leave until my work was done. I could not leave. So that was when, you know, some, my daughter had gone to live with her dad when she was 12 and various things occurred. And it was time for me to move. And I did it in six weeks, found a lovely place down here and got my dream sea view and the the sort of hills behind me. So I had, you know, nature behind me and the sea in front and started Rosy Glow. So Enjoy Yoga was my previous career that I put first business. And then through a cacao ceremony, I discovered that my true soul purpose wasn't actually to take people's pain away but to learn to teach them to manage their pain. And that was the chapter of Rosie Glow. So that's when I became coach. So this book is called The Honeymoon Effect by Dr. Bruce Lipton. And I've just come back from spending a weekend with him. And when I read this book, it, it was like, oh, that's what I want. So that's how I found my teacher and started this whole new world as an emotional mental detox coach and then a fertility coach and a relationships coach and then a soul coach because I discovered through all the clearing of my density and my, you know, inherited dysfunctional programs, if you like, a lot about myself that I didn't know before. You know, like if I said to you, oh, I'm a galactic consciousness. Oh, I'm the star piece map. Oh, you know, uh, what else was I told recently? Oh, my God, this is the amazing, the amazing stuff. But can I just stop you there? Because I've got some questions and I'm so scared I'm going to forget them. So when you said that you were in Croydon and you were wanting to move out, but you just couldn't. And, you know, and then when you eventually stayed and then you were stuck and that sort of thing. Do you think that's related to destiny? Has that got anything to do with destiny? Because I'm also fascinated by that whole idea. Is, is that something that is relevant to you or not? There are circumstances in our lives that are predetermined that we have as a soul before we incarnate set for ourselves as milestones to make sure that we have every chance possible to fulfill our chosen mission, which we have elected. Right. The free will element is how we deal with those milestones. So I truly believe that it was my soul destiny whilst I was in Croydon to set up Enjoy Yoga to go through the trials and tribulations I did because it was there. I lived there when my mum died. She got sick and died. And that was just before I turned 30 She that I found out she had cancer. And then within a year, she was gone. And that was huge for me. Huge, huge, huge. Um, as for anyone who loses a parent at any age, but that was pretty tough at that point for lots of reasons. And basically, 
what I mean by I couldn't leave was my purpose there wasn't fulfilled until this whole thing around that hospital had kind of put the actual uh, maternity services. And also, <clears throat> how else could I see it at this point? It was 10 years that I was there, right? And I'd just outgrown it. I knew I had, I knew where I wanted to go. But I think anyone who gets a sense of where they want to go next knows that they need to line up with where they want to go. So once I knew I wanted to be in Brighton, there was this background sense that Brighton was for other people, not for me. I wasn't cool enough to live in Brighton. Like there was there was all sorts of stuff. It was weird. And and I really believe a lot of us are more fearful of our success than our failure. So Croydon was familiar. It was the same old, same old struggles. You know, it was a cultural melting pot. I kept attracting Mr. Wrong. I was in a 10-year on-off relationship. You know, I ended up having affairs, being cheated on, doing all sorts of things that were not really me, but I had to know my edges. I had to meet my shadow. I had to learn my legacy that I'd inherited from my mother and the legacy I'd inherited from my father and then decide who I really was and wanted to be by then choosing consciously to strip that conditioning away. So what had happened in terms of my move from Croydon to Brighton was my daughter had moved ahead of me when she went to secondary school. She was really not happy. So this was what led to her moving there. And we had a very challenging relationship as well. You know, it was there I was teaching all this lovely pregnancy and baby stuff and I come home and just have this really difficult child to deal with. And I say difficult because I didn't feel confident in myself as a mother. I had a lot of unmet needs myself when I was growing up. So although I consciously wanted to parent in a different way, my programming was wired to parent the way I was parented. Right. So when I was stressed, which was a lot of the time because I was a single mum struggling to make ends meet, the best of me wasn't coming out. My conditioning was. Yeah. And, you know, my daughter is now diagnosed ADHD. She's 21. But at the time, we didn't know what was going on. Right. And ADHD back then was a boy's, um, you know, neurodiversity, not a not a girl. So, yeah, it was a tough time. It was a really, really tough time. And, and in the end, she was struggling with a few things that when they happened, I was like, mum mode, I've got to move to Brighton now. It's taken me a year. And it was actually a really good time for me to have had that year off from the day to day parenting, because, as, a, as you know, I kind of went straight from school to uni to work to being a mum. And this time gave me a little bit of catch up time just to be and set things up a little differently. And then I moved down to phone. Did that answer your your destiny yes. question? <laughs> yes. And um, I don't know if this will be answered as well when you carry on a little bit with with what you're doing now. But um, this whole idea of your sole purpose. How how do you know how do you know what that is and how do you know that you're on the right track? It is it is it is fabulous to meet you. It's a great question. I think we know that everything that brings us joy in life, from whenever we started to become aware of what we like as children, is part of our sole purpose, right? So, typically, we teach what we most need to master, what we most need to learn, right? <laughs> now. Not everyone is walking around going, why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, we're, we're all as souls at different stages of evolution. And this is quite a deep one that we could spend the whole session talking about. So I'll, you know, kind of weave through it through the rest of the questions. But 
essentially, when you are on point in terms of your soul purpose, you feel very activated in your heart. You're not in your head. Right. That's the first thing is for us to fully access our soul consciousness. We have to kind of leave the thinking world, which is our programming, move into our bodies. So we kind of, you know, start to experience what is our cellular memory and get safe in our bodies because most of us are used to operating by being in our heads all the time, thinking our way through life. And that is programming. So the first step to accessing soul consciousness is to become embodied. And that's why physical practices like, you know, good yoga, qigong, tai chi, um, practices that are spiritual, physical practices are really important as a first step for that awakening of your consciousness. And once you kind of come into the body and start to create some alignment and safety and connect to what is beyond your physical, because you can kind of, you know, if you do that, and then you kind of set, sort of feel your two hands, you'll feel there's energy between your hands, right? You feel yeah. we have an electromagnetic field, right? Yeah. So really play with that. So that's real, even though we can't see it, just like electricity. Yeah. So what, you know, the body's the first step, then we come into the heart space. So we start to feel our way through life, which, you know, when you start to listen to your heart, you know, follow your heart. What does your heart say? It can take you to some quite painful places, right? You know, my heart told me to get together with my daughter's dad, but it was a very challenging relationship. However, it was part of my soul's growth to have that relationship, to bring my daughter in. That's what I would say was predestined, right? Because it was definitely part of my life to bring her in. And, you know, he's definitely the right dad for her. So, you know, that's kind of how that works. Once you've accessed your heart and accepted that life isn't just about the yum or the yuck, but it's actually about moving beyond judging experience and emotion and becoming curious about what, why is what is happening in our lives happening? Do we feel like life is happening to us or for us? These are the kind of questions that start to bring us into the desire to be soul led rather than ego programming led. And I use the word ego with the intention of clarifying what it means, because it's it's such a dirty word for so many people. It's like, look at them and their ego. But your ego programming is your conditioning. Ego means me. It's a Greek word. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a self-identity, which comes from your ancestors' identity, because most people don't know that from the moment we're conceived, even before we're conceived, we are programmed, we are being programmed, right? We're being programmed according to our mother's emotional state, wow. according to how happy she is, how healthy she is, how well supported she feels. And this isn't to make anyone feel guilty because guilt is like the mother wound for all of us, right? We can only do what was done for us, right? So learning to change that comes with a lot of practice and patience and the willingness to go on a reprogramming journey, which is what I, I teach and I take people through. But ultimately, when you kind of start to ask that question, you're starting to get a connection with your soul. You know, that's why we're talking now. You're curious. You brought me on and I'm sharing things with you that will be new and some will resonate and some will not. And then that will take you to wherever you need to go next to get more aligned. But and if we look at what you love to do and the whole concept of fabulosity and everything yeah. else, it's, this it's, is your sole purpose, girlfriend. Yeah, right? It does feel like it. I'm not <laughs> saying when you're talking about what it feels like in your heart, 
I feel my heart really feels like it's on fire. It's like it feels so big when I do this work. I mean, even just talking to you now and just thinking how many people will get something from this and how much will that affect their fabulosity. It just it makes me smile from inside. So I, I really think I'm on the right track. <laughs> you, you are. You're bang on the money. And I think this yeah. is the point is we know we're on our soul path when we feel like we're lit up. Yeah, and that, that light emanates from the heart, but it's coming through from source and also from Gaia, from Mother Earth, Yeah, expressed into our energy field. And then your light body gets activated, which, you know, we've had other conversations about that, but all of us have like a, an energetic light body. We've got lots of layers of energy bodies, but the light body shows up. Some people will have heard of the Merkaba, for example, which is like a six pointed star around us. And when you go through a journey of awakening to your soul consciousness, firstly, you have to plug in to your soul, right, which comes through the physical practices and intention and calling your higher self in. And then once you do that and you plug in, then you want to amplify that energy in your physical body, but at a rate that isn't going to send you la la. Because, you know, a lot of people like I didn't have a spiritual awakening that then told me everything. My awakening has been very gradual. And, you know, to get to a point where I receive in a dream, oh, you're a galactic consciousness, Rosie Glow. And I'm feeling all these guides telling me this. But they had to be so careful to tell me that I'm currently 44 years old. I received that information when I was 43 like if anyone had said that to me any way, shape or form before then, I probably would have gone, lock me up. Right? Like what's going on? Like I've lost the plot. <laughs> oh, I understand. And I mean, that 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 alone is so interesting to me because I, I don't hear my guides. I, obviously, I'm still spiritually asleep, but I would love to be able to tap into my guides and get and get sort of guidance from them. How do I do that? First thing I awaken. <laughs> Well, the first thing you do is you ask. I mean, if you want, I can yeah. bring some light language in and we can see what my guides are saying that we can kind of help you out with. But yes, yes, I'd love that. Well, we can do that. So the, the first thing before they come in, because they're quite keen to do so. So when I say they, my guides are my higher self. OK, my guides are the galactic consciousness that is rosy glow and rosy glow. I understand as the frequency of divine grace, which might mean nothing until you delve a little deeper and go well grace as I understand it is the power of revelation so aha moments light bulb moments you suddenly see something differently and you can't unsee it that's grace and the fact that if we allow ourselves to trust life and choose to believe that life is for us rather than against us yeah. then you start to see evidence because it's all about perception so you're where you are now you ask the question I want to connect with my guides how can I connect with my guides I want to know more about them yeah when you ask the question the answer doesn't come straight away you ask you put it out into the field but ask and it is given right so now that you've asked that question you're going to start to see opportunities pop up everywhere maybe There'll be someone that's doing mediumship training or maybe, you know, you see something online that you're like, oh, how to connect with your guides or you see a book or whatever. But now you've asked that question, you'll start to see that life is responding to that question. Isn't that just Google listening into our conversation? <laughs> These days it is. Yeah, but it, it never used to be. Right. So yeah. kind of 
Google God, if you like, is helping us to understand how the field works, because at the moment, as humans, we can accept that we can turn this computer on, we can plug in to the, the plugs and the Internet, and we can ask anything and the information will come. But, but the next stage of our evolution is when we don't need the computers. We don't need any interim communication. And I just go, hey, Yolanda, how you doing? I've been thinking about yeah. you. And then I can hear you come back and go, hey, I'm good. Do you want to catch up? Yeah, how's Tuesday? Yeah, okay, let's catch up on Tuesday. And then maybe we'll still need to have a call just to go, I was just thinking about you free on Tuesday. I was just thinking the same thing, right? But that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Yeah. I love it. So have my guy, have your guides come in? Let's just see. Let's bring it in. So, okay, just pulling in my higher self. So if you just want to soften your heart and just open up. So for those who don't know what light language is, it is purely different sounds that won't make any sense. For me, when I speak the light language, then the explanation usually comes through in English. But I'm connected to five or six different star systems, I forget. So different star constellations, different star families. Um, let's just name them. So I'll call them in the Andromedans, the Syrians, the Pleiadians, the Arcturians, the Lyrans, and the Regus, the Regis. Um, star well it's part of orion so the orion belt orion's belt has got several different um, consciousnesses there and it's the con consciousness of regis that i connect to oh yolanda we are so happy you're asking this question hello 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 guys <laughs> They're saying you're actually part of the rosy glow galaxy too. <laughs> so the invitation is firstly to observe your response to those sounds in your body. This is part of how you're going to learn to connect is to to be able to observe how you respond to stimuli. Um, when does your brain kick in and question? And how can you actually allow yourself to drop out of your head into your heart? Think less, breathe more. And it's in that space that they're showing me that as you ask a question, which maybe you'll write down, then by creating some space as you go about your day and not trying to think the answer, right? you will then get your response come through in the space. You've already started your journey a long time ago, but you have blocked it because you were scared of your sensitivity. You come into this world as an earth sign. I know you're, you're sign, so this is not coming from them. <laughs> to be really grounded and in this physical world so that when you are ready, you, you can root down to rise up and really open your consciousness up and open your energy field up. And through this experience, start to remember your mastery of all of your spiritual psychic gifts. Nuharanaya sawana chichi eyanaki hananaya sura. 
You don't need to understand something. There's a choice that we can make inside of us to open to trusting how we feel. And if you like the feeling of someone, if you like the sound of something, this is all you need to know. Go towards it. That's part of your learning, your lesson, your uncovering, your gift. Uh, have a sense of humor <laughs> and allow your doubts to come up every time they do just acknowledge I've got a doubt about this but I'm still going to explore it and another important thing for you to open up more to your gifts is not to suppress um there's a sense of what will other people think of me so just let that go it doesn't matter what other people think of you is none of your business just not and then the other thing is to allow yourself to to question it's not just doubt but to question it's okay to do that the the world of spirit is not rational our human self is the rational element it all makes sense in a non-physical world, but not from a human physical perspective. We have to be in our soul energy, soul self, to be able to grasp all of the vastness of all that is. So what I'm receiving is you'll receive the information you need to know on a need-to-know basis, like Rosy Glow. Otherwise, it will just glow your fuse. <laughs> but you've got a lot of... I'm being shown... Oh, it's beautiful. Like, ah, I can just see you. You're never going to guess what, Rosie. This has just happened. And now I can do this. And now I can do that. And now I'm tuning into this. So ask and you shall receive. Wow. That's it. Yeah. I feel quite emotional. I've got tears in my eyes. That's quite um, quite amazing. Yeah. It's, it's something that's taken me, you know, one of the things that I feel for a lot of us who are on this path is we have so much self-doubt to work through, you know, this, this early life conditioning. And it's actually taken me this long to recognize how powerful I am. And, I, you know, I don't mean that in a, ooh, check me out, I'm amazing, although I am, yeah. and you're amazing. Um, it's more that what I've noticed when, when I was younger, even from like a teenager, I'd visit people, friends we haven't seen for ages, and they, they would just start crying around me. They didn't know why, but they just start crying around me. What I've learned in even in this year is if someone is emotionally blocked and they don't feel their emotions, I will feel them when they're around. Right. But if if they're emotionally open, they will feel their own emotions, the ones they block when I'm around them. So I only need to be near someone and they're either going to get really irritated with my presence. I was bullied yeah. at school, you know, all, all through school I was bullied, not because I was walking around going, oh, Jesus talks to me or anything like that, but just because my presence was threatening to the status quo, yeah. right? And um, yeah, basically what comes through is because I tune in every day, I plug in every day, that's become my normal. That means that, you know, my energetic charge, let's say, is a, at a thousand, whereas someone who's more in a normal, non-awake state yet might be at 50 or 30 or something like that. So being around that energetic yeah. expansiveness is too much, right? When someone's working with me, even if they just have a like a discovery call or a breakthrough call, they start to, you know, commit to the journey. 
they will see things are starting to happen straight away, right? And they make their connections. And then when they go away, you know, I used to think, oh, I need to give them this. And I don't need anything. I just need to be around them. And it just happens, right? It's just this whole thing of like, oh, I see this now. But the big part is this. We all have to have the courage to step forward into the unknown. And what I see happens with a lot of us when we're awakening is we see the potential and we get spooked. You know, if I say I'm really powerful, that's either going to sound really exciting to someone or really terrifying, right? If you don't feel in your power, then me being really powerful could be threatening, couldn't it? So it's just, it's a, it's fascinating. And, you know, the way I see it will be different to how other spiritual teachers see it. Uh, but yeah, does that answer that one? <laughs> it does. And so tell me, when you talk about awakening, can you describe a little bit more about what that what that actually means? I mean, does it mean stepping into your power? Does it mean getting more confident, being more fabulous? What does it mean to you when you say awakening? To me, awakening is the process of plugging into your soul consciousness. So it's, as I said, people are like, if we're here as souls that are on purpose, like we're here to help with the ascension of humanity, there's essentially two groups of souls. And I'm being really simplistic here, but it will help to explain things. There are those of us who've come specifically to help. We've already outgrown the lessons of this earth plane. We don't tend to be here by choice, but we've come to help support the whole planet's energy lifting up, which is ascension right, to move out of density into light, which comes through bringing the shadow to light. If you think the sun, well, you take a little candle in a a dark room and you light it up, whereas you bring a shadow into a light room, it doesn't make it all dark, right? So the light is way more powerful than our darkness, but we've been taught to believe that isn't the case. So awakening When you look at these two groups of souls, you have souls that are younger souls. They just haven't incarnated that many times yet. Right. They're they're younger souls. They're having the experience of firstly coming to a physical reality, which is not true for us. You know, in our universe, this is the most physical, dense reality. So it's where we will experience the most pleasure and the most pain in terms of physical sensation. So. Those who are sort of growing in consciousness, if you like, are here firstly just bimbling about. They might have a happy life, they, then they might have a really tragic life. You know, they're, they're just experiencing things and growing into an awareness of actually the fact that they're not just a physical being, but they're also an energetic being. And I think religion is a great way of explaining this because there's many people that are religious. They'll go to church, they'll practice a particular religion but the concept of that religion is that they have to behave a certain way that if they don't this is going to happen if they do then this will happen that actually they can't access the divine personally they have to have a spokesperson in between whether it's a priest or a rabbi or whatever you know it shows up as and you know the history of our spirituality has gone from you know, father, son to mother earth, because you didn't need science to show you that you need the sun and you need the earth to create life. Like it was just there, like for us, you know, it was simple, but profound kind of coming back to that. And then we've been through all sorts of history, which Bruce Lipton is brilliant explaining. And his book, Spontaneous Evolution is very, very interesting for that. But basically where we come to is where I, we all start off in the ocean of love, which is source, all that is, some call God, right? 
but we don't know we're a part of it until we separate from it. (laughs) So this journey of becoming an individual soul is choosing to separate from that oneness and then seek to reunify however many lifetimes that takes. could take a long time, hundreds, thousands of lifetimes, right? So when you are dealing with a soul that's on that journey, and there are many souls on this planet that have been stuck in a reincarnation cycle because they haven't really been growing and evolving. They haven't had the tools to do it faster. So there's been a bit of a bottleneck. There's lots of other stuff that's gone on this planet, but that's essentially it. And in order to help humanity progress faster from that constant repeating of density, really slow learning, because it is a very dense place. Souls like us have come in already having kind of evolved beyond needing to do this cycling because we've already got closer to source. We've recognized we're on this journey and we're on our way home. So effectively, we're ascended masters in training. That's the way I see it. Right. And um, part of our training is to go and help planets, you know, um, places where there's trouble and they need to kind of come into balance. Does that make sense? Yes, it's it's fantastic, but it, it makes sense. Yes. So so what ends up happening is we all go back to that great big sea of love. But the difference between where we started and where we end is that we now recognize we're an individual droplet of that ocean of love. We are part, you know, we're part of the whole, but we're also unique. You know, I have my unique divine spark. You have yours. And, you know, I show up as rosy glow and star peace and that's my mission. And you show up as fabulosity and, you know, the queen of fabulosity. And that's your mission because, you know, you're revolutionizing as far as I'm concerned, how women, well, how anyone sees what is fabulous and styling and, you know, what makes them feel good. You've kind of thrown the rule book out and rewriting it. That's exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly what Bruce Lipton's doing. That's exactly what many spiritual teachers are doing. So. Yeah, that's that's really it. So what's the, the the thing about ascension? I mean, you know, people will have heard all sorts of different things, but this planet has been kept back. You know, there's we're not told yet that extraterrestrial life is is really standard. And actually, we've been communicating with them. Our governments have been communicating with you know extraterrestrials for a very long time. We kind of know this, but it's still hush hush. And then it slowly comes out. But it's an important factor in us understanding our origins as souls, because they don't look like us. They're not necessarily as physically dense as us either. And all the advances in technology that have been major leaps on this planet have been through extraterrestrial connection and communication. Tesla's a great example of that. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie Glow, where did I find you? I don't know. You, you, you're amazing, honestly. You, you, you know, during the day, I talk about normal things, you know, and you're just on such a different level. I'm just absolutely fascinated by you. Thank you so much for being in my life. <laughs> Thank you for being in my life. And this is the thing. It was our destiny to me. Like everyone in that um, mastermind that we've been a part of, we've been destined to meet. We're part of each other's stories. But we had to feel like this was that bravery that's required. We had to say, I want that. I don't know if I'm going to achieve it or I'm good enough or whatever, but I'm going to commit to it. And that's that financial commitment we made, right? Which is quite significant. But you've shifted so much in this time. I've shifted so much in this time. And, you know, it might not have gone the way we expected, but it's put, I'm on a whole new path I didn't even know about a year ago. 
right? Me too. And the greatest thing I think that's come out of that, which is you can see now what's happening with me, is that um, whatever scares me, I am now stepping into. And so if, if it scares me, I know I've got to do it. And that's kind of how I've been doing it. And it's, it's a fantastic place to actually be when, you, when, you, when you're living because you, it's so exciting. And so, you know, it, it's a, like that lovely, that lovely saying that um, the comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing grows there. And it's so true, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's been fascinating. Fabulous to meet you. Do, 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 do.